A reading from the book of Acts. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The word of the Lord. Greetings, One Fellowship family and friends. Pastor Paul Sorensen here, and I am excited to share with you from Acts chapter 10 today. But before we dive into God's word, would you bow your heads with me as I share one more word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message is Breaking Out, and I'd like to begin by asking this question. If you could have one famous person visit your home, who would it be? Would it be Giannis Antetokounmpo? 
of NBA fame? Would it be Elsa from Frozen? Or might it be Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Gronkineers? What if this special visitor, this famous person, came into your house unannounced? That is exactly what I read, and I'm sure many of you read, about Tom Brady in his recent trip into a stranger's house in Tampa Bay. The title of the story that was released to the media is Tom Brady Accidentally Trespasses in Tampa. According to a media report, on April 7th, Tom Brady had planned to visit the home of offensive coordinator Byron Lefwich of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and meet the coach for the first time. Unfortunately, without knocking, Brady walked into the home next door to coach Lefwich and came face to face with a stranger. David Kramer says he was sitting in the kitchen and was on the phone when Brady barged in through the front door with duffel bags in his hand. Quote, I literally was just sitting here and, and I watched this tall guy walk right into my house, Kramer says. He did not even look at me. He just dropped his duffel bags on the floor and then finally looked up at me and I've never forgotten that look. He goes, am I in the wrong house? I am so so sorry, Kramer says. And then Brady grabs his bags and just is gone. I don't think I've seen someone leave a house faster. Kramer says Tom was super nice, super genuine, and had a big smile throughout the whole ordeal. And he says he doesn't blame the quarterback at all for the error. In fact, Kramer says he thought the whole situation was funny and had no issues whatsoever with the accidental break-in. Friends, what if Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback arguably of all time, walked into your front door right now? What would you do? What I love about this story is it parallels with our story, our passage from the front half of Acts chapter 10 today, where we see unexpected guests break in to the biblical narrative in the lives of two completely different people. All of this leads me to share our big idea, our big takeaway from our passage, which is this. Before God's grace can break out into the world, God's grace must break in to our hearts. Before God's grace can break out into our world, God's grace must break in to our hearts. And this passage has a unique twist midway through it. So let's dive in. Point one, God's grace is ready to break out into our world. Our passage reads, at Caesarea, there was a, a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. 
Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Do any of you like history? I love history. So let me provide a little history about our passage today. First, Caesarea. What do we know about Caesarea? Caesarea was a seaside city, kind of like Charleston, and it was built by Herod the Great, and it was located about 65 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It was a very important strategic city for the Roman Empire as it presented the gateway to the Middle East. And accordingly, if any Roman officer was positioned there, he must have been a person or a man of great trust. And that leads us to Cornelius. Who's Cornelius? Well, we read that Cornelius was a centurion. What this means is he oversaw about a hundred Roman soldiers for the Roman Empire. Moreover, we read that he was a God-fearer, which means he had left behind the pagan gods and customs of the Roman world and come to believe in Yahweh, the God of the Jewish people. As our passage reads, he was devoted and he and his family were radically generous. The only problem, because Cornelius was not born a Jew, he was not accepted by the Jewish people. In fact, there existed a deep distrust and chasm between Jews and non-Jews, like Cornelius, called Gentiles. In writing on this passage, John Stott notes these words. The tragedy was that Israel twisted the doctrine of election into one of favoritism, became filled with racial pride and hatred, and despised Gentiles as dogs, and developed traditions which kept them apart. No Orthodox Jew would ever enter the home of a Gentile, even a God-fearer, or invite such into his home. No pious Jew would, of course, have sat down at the table of a Gentile. But friends, this was never God's intended plan to have distrust and disunity among those who called on his name. God's plan from the beginning of time was to bless and choose a chosen people so that they could then become instruments of that blessing to their families, to their neighbors, to their cities, and to our world. We read in Genesis 12 these words, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse you, those who curse you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
Similarly, we read in Isaiah 42, verse six, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. And here in our passage, we meet Cornelius, a Roman officer representing that promise, representing the nations. A family man hungry for God, a person searching for more. And it's at this moment in the height of his hunger that God sends an unexpected visitor, an angel, to let Cornelius know that he hears his prayers, that he cares about Cornelius, and that he's to send for Simon Peter in Joppa. This all reminds me of stories I'm hearing here and now during this pandemic. During these challenging times, people are experiencing heightened hunger for Jesus and a longing to be a part of God's family. For instance, Tiffany Blauer, our own director of operations, in late March shared on her Facebook page that we would be hosting online watch parties so we could all worship together virtually. And she said on her page, does anyone want to join me? And lo and behold, turns out her next door neighbor and her next door neighbor's young family did in fact want to join Tiffany in worship. Little did Tiffany know that throughout the next several weeks and probably even this weekend, that family would then host several other families in their backyard, observing the social distancing protocols, but worshiping with the one fellowship family together. Her neighbor, her neighbor became the host after Tiffany invited her to join us in worship. For all those who are new to joining One Fellowship, I just wanna say again, welcome to our family. I love that you're here and I love that God is moving in our midst. And I love this story that Tiffany shared with me. You see, just like in the life of Cornelius, God's grace is ready to break out into our world right now. And often, here's the interesting thing, often God is moving in people before we are even moving towards people. Which leads me to point to God's grace is ready to break into our hearts. Our passage continues. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
A couple of observations about this encounter with Peter. First, friends, if we want to hear from God, we need to, we need to make sure we create we create space to actually be with God. Let me ask, do you want the fullness of life promised in Jesus? Do you want to experience the peace that passes all understanding? Do you want to know the plans God has for you, plans to prosper you and have you flourish? Well, you need and we need to spend time with God in his word and in prayer. What was Peter doing when God showed up and began to speak to him? He was praying. And all of our staff this year, we're all going through the Bible in one year together. And if you have yet to join us in this journey, you can do it starting today or tomorrow. Simply go to BibleInOneYear.org and download the app. If we want to hear from God, we need to make space to be with God. And the second observation of this encounter of Peter's is this. Are you catching the irony from our passage? At first, you might think this passage is all about Cornelius and his conversion from an outsider to an insider. And while that is relevant, the main focus of this passage is actually on the conversion of Peter's heart. Let me repeat that. The main focus of the passage today is actually on the conversion of Peter's heart. What Luke, the author of Acts, is trying to highlight is this. We can be saved. We can be leaders in the church. We can have stories of reaching thousands of people for Jesus. And we can still have blind spots and be misaligned to the will of God. Three times while Peter is praying, he's presented a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven filled with all different kinds of animals, and he's instructed to kill and eat. In his piety, Peter says to God, no way, I won't touch or eat anything unclean or un, uh, impure. And he's clearly referencing Leviticus chapter 11 and the Jewish laws found there. But what Peter is missing is that through Jesus, the law has been fulfilled. And moreover, the promises of God are ready to break out. The problem? First, God's grace needs to break in to Peter's heart once again. And that's the case with many of us. The sheet with the four corners coming down from heaven, it's meant to represent every person, every party, every population that if we're honest, we would not welcome into our home or homes as guests. That person that hurt us, that group that annoys us, that individual who deserves every bad thing that comes their way. Yes, that person. In the words of one theologian, we too write off whole churches simply by what we've heard about them. We too shut out whole ethnic groups because of a bad experience with one person or family. 
We too mentally excommunicate those who do not agree with us on one secondary issue or another. Our sheets easily fill with educational, racial, cultural, and spiritual rejects. And we cry, by no means, Lord, they are not my type. The result, of course, is a Christianity that grows solely on homogenous lines. We then only seek to win our own kind and thousands never come to grace who, humanly speaking, would have if they were given the chance. In talking to a pastor friend in Dallas a couple weeks ago, he shared with me how an arrogant, wealthy, single businessman has reached out to him during the pandemic. He received this call, Pastor, I built an empire for myself, to which I am now a prisoner. And I am missing the one thing that is needed most, relationship. Will you help me? You see, just like Peter, excuse me, just like with Peter all around us, unexpected people from unexpected places are experiencing a heightened hunger for Jesus in a longing to be a part of God's family. And here's the question, will you help them, whoever they are? Will you welcome them wherever they're coming from? Will you love them in the name of Jesus? Just like with Peter, at this very moment, God wants to break down the walls of prejudice in our hearts so his power can course through our lives. He wants us to see and talk, live and give like Jesus to everyone we meet, no matter who they are. How does Peter then welcome these outsiders, these Gentiles sent from Cornelius in Joppa? He answers the door and radically invites them in as his guests. The grace of God had broken yet again, into Peter's heart. To quote Henry Nowen, Christianity, excuse me, every Christian is constantly invited to overcome his neighbor's fear by entering into it with him and to find in the fellowship of suffering the way to freedom, the way to Jesus. You see, before God's grace can break out in our world, the twist is God's grace must break into our hearts. Yes, you and me, followers of Jesus. To conclude, I have two applications to share today. First, much like the sheep coming down from heaven in our passage, I'd like each of us to get a four-cornered sheet of paper today and write down the name or names of every person every party or every, every population that we would struggle to welcome into our homes. And I'd like each of us to take that sheet of paper, place it as a bookmark in our Bibles, and commit to praying for those individuals every day over the next seven days. Will you do that with me? Will you bring them and yourselves to Jesus every day with me? over the next seven days? And then second, just like Tiffany, 
Who can, who can you invite, excuse me, who might you be able to invite to worship with us in our community online during this unique moment in history? Might it be a colleague? Might it be a neighbor? Might it be a family member? Might it be a friend? People all around us right now are experiencing heightened hunger and longing for more in their lives. Before God's grace can break out into our world, God's grace must first break in to each one of our hearts. I'd like to close by reading a prayer I came across this week. So please bow your heads with me as I pray. Oh God, please forgive me for not allowing your great love to flow through me to others. For refusing to love and win those whom I deem dangerous or dirty or unworthy. Those who have hurt me or whom I consider beneath me. I confess I am the worst of sinners in the words of Paul. How could anyone be lower than me? Impossible. May your grace burst through my walls of pride and prejudice. And may your love conquer my selfishness and other sinful rebellion so that in me and in them, your name would be extolled and exalted. In Jesus' name, amen.